Welcome to the All-in-One Podcast for Middle School Language Arts Teachers. I'm Linda, and I've been a teacher for over 30 years. I can help you with tips, tricks, and motivation that will simplify your planning, streamline your teaching, and enjoy more free time. Well, hey there, it's Linda. I hope all is going well in your world and that you are enjoying your summer. I'm so excited to continue with our back to school series. This is the fourth episode. If you didn't listen to the other three, we talked about three things that you can do now from home to make your life much easier and actually less stressful. In the second episode, I laid out a clear plan to set up your language arts classroom. Then we got into the nitty gritty of setting up a classroom library. Now, I know we hate to talk about back to school setup, but the reality is it is a reality. And if we do nothing, it stresses us. So if you're feeling stressed and want some easy remedies, start with those episodes. Today we're going to be discussing setting up a wildly important concept, which is classroom expectations. Before we begin, I want to make sure that you know I will be mentioning a few valuable freebies. I also really want to encourage you to sign up for my email list. I do a bunch of freebies and once you're on my list, I start sending them out to you. You'll also be alerted as to when there is a sale or a new product of interest, so you definitely want to opt into this. My email opt-in and any freebies or products that I mention will all be linked in the show notes for your convenience, so don't forget to check them out. Okay, so let's talk about why you're really here, and that is setting up clear classroom expectations. To say that this is important is an understatement. It is a huge topic, and like always, I try to simplify it and pare it down so it's more digestible to you, especially if you're a new teacher. So I have five key ideas that I feel are of the utmost importance when setting up your classroom expectations. So the first, you want to decide on a few class rules that are non-negotiable and consequences for not following them. Okay, so I used to be a kindergarten and first grade teacher, and what we would always do was create this classroom constitution, and we did it in a very democratic fashion we would decide on our class rules together, and then we would all sign that constitution. It was felt that kids would buy into it more because they came up with the rules, and for little kids, that definitely did work. But for middle school, I'm sorry, but I'm not playing that game. Kids know the rules before you tell them or pretend to have them devise them, and I'm not going to pretend to lead them into something that I already want them to do. So I have a list of class rules, and I show them, and I tell them that I expect them to follow them. And my class rules are simple. Listen when others are speaking, turn in assignments on time, 
work productively in a volume that is conducive to learning, and show respect. That's it. I don't have specific consequences here because these rules cast a pretty large net. So I tell them that if they are breaking rules, they will be spoken to and that an appropriate consequence will be given. I am very blunt with telling them that they are old enough to know that fair does not always mean equal. For example, if there are two students that are talking when someone else is trying to share, one student might just be politely told to please listen while another student might get an email sent home. I then ask students why these two kids who are breaking the same rule would have a different approach to consequences. And kids know. They know that there are kids who are repeat offenders and have been spoken to multiple times. And then you have somebody who might be dragged in by said student and is actually really trying to listen, but is kind of giving in to that peer pressure. So I do highly recommend that when you are at the point of sending a parent email, that you tell the student before that time, the next time you break this rule, I will be emailing home and to do this in private. And honestly, I don't want to waste kids' time with a long list of rules. They know how to act by the time they are in middle school, and sometimes they choose not to, and that's part of being a middle school teacher. But I do want to set and post a few clear expectations. And then you have to be consistent without being what I would consider offended and angry when they don't follow the rules. So if a student is talking for the 95th time when they shouldn't, you might walk over quietly and say, I'd like to talk to you at the end of class. This way, it gives you time to get your composure because, hey, we are human, and honestly, it can be maddening. Then you calmly tell the student, you know the rule, you are breaking it again, and I'm going to be emailing home. I would also ask the student, why they are doing this so they can reflect. I mean, they might not have an answer for you, but they will stand there and think. It is also so, so important here to consider the whole child at this point. You know, something like, do they have ADHD? Are there issues at home? Again, here you want to maintain that fair is not always equal mentality and deal with each student as an individual. I'm not suggesting that kids with issues don't follow rules, don't get me wrong, but I do think it's important to show care when doing so. So for example, I've had many kids that just simply have ADHD and legitimately have a hard time controlling themselves. I might say something like this to them. I know it's not always easy for you to control yourself, but I must ask that you stop talking when I'm giving a lesson. You can ask questions and there are time to talk there are times to talk with classmates, but when I am giving a lesson, you simply cannot. I want you to learn what I am teaching so you can do your best in this class. Is there something I can do to help remind you? And perhaps here you can offer to put a post-it on their desk to give them a warning. 
And listen, I know it's not perfect, but it is all part of the process of getting kids to follow rules that are ultimately of benefit to them. So again, those non-negotiable rules, keep them simple and follow through with them while maintaining that mentality of fair is not always equal. Okay, good luck, because honestly, I know how hard it can be. And, and do not think that you're going to post these rules and your kids are going to follow them and you never have to go back over it again. You will do it from day one to the last day of school. And it's just better off now that you accept it because it is part of being a middle school teacher. Okay. Another thing I would do when setting up classroom expectations, and I think this is really important to do this right away, is to decide on how you will handle late assignments. This is such an important expectation that you need to be very clear about not only with your kids, but with their parents. So for me, I create a slideshow that goes on my Google Classroom with everything kids and parents need to know. And one of the things in that slideshow is my late policies. This way it's in writing and everyone has fair warning. Um, I actually have a free template for you to create your own slideshow and I'll link that freebie in the show notes. And I really do try to keep it simple. For me, it goes something like this. If you hand in a homework late that we already went over in class, it's a zero and stays a zero. If it's a major assessment piece like an essay, it would be five points a day. If it's an assignment like an entry for a writer's notebook, that's a 10 point uh, homework and assignment for me, then I would take off one point a day. I do always put in a disclaimer that if you are sick, it does not apply to you and that we will discuss your due dates when you return. And again, fair is not always equal. If I notice a student has been kind of off and not themselves, and they've now not turned in a homework assignment, I will pull them aside and talk to them. And if it's out of the ordinary, I'm going to ask them if they're okay. I will most likely at that point have a discussion with them and give them another day. And hopefully the student will open up to me because really we should be all about building relationships and our students should know that we care about them. You know, honestly, it's like parenting. If you're a parent, you know your kids and what they need and when they need grace and when they need a lesson. But you do need to have a policy in place so they know what to expect. I also have to say that you really have to consider here the culture of your district. For me, I work in a district that um, is pretty upper class in most cases, and but not always. So there can be a sense of entitlement. And so I have to really make sure that I am very clear, but also very understanding as well. It's just something that you're going to have to balance out as you go along. Okay, number three, decide how you will handle turning in work when a student is absent. So again, this is something you want to be very clear with at the get-go so that you don't have people taking advantage. And when I say people, I mean kids and their parents as well. 
So like I was saying before, if a student is sick, I tell them we're going to talk about a plan together to get them caught up in a reasonable way that works for both of us. What I do is I tell students that they're sick, they're sick, and I don't expect them to do work. I do tell students, though, that if they are sick and, you know, there are different levels of being sick and maybe you're out for a couple of days and towards the end, you want to do a little bit of work, you can simply email me and ask what you can do to get started. And I'm happy to help with that. Now, I happen to work in a district, like I said, that's pretty upper class and kids go on vacations outside of days off a lot. And then they miss many days due to things like cheer competitions and hockey tournaments. I mean, this honestly, it blows my mind sometimes because it happens so often. And listen, I understand if your aunt is getting married in another state, that's a totally different ball game. But when I have a kid tell me that he's not going to be there the next day because he's playing in a hockey tournament, I'm just trying to understand why that's not considered truancy by the coaches who are doing it. But that's a different topic for a different podcast. So in any event, I tell them in writing in that slideshow, and I tell them also when I go over that slideshow that if they are absent for anything other than illness, that they will have the same due dates as the rest of the class and that they will have to follow along on the Google Classroom while they're out. I maintain my Google Classroom every day. Everything is posted and you know the homework is posted and it, there is no reason that you can't follow along if you're at a hockey tournament. I honestly have to be very strict here because if I'm not, the parents will really be running the show in my classroom, and I just can't have that. I will, of course, adjust things if a student comes to me beforehand and is concerned, you know, because honestly, it's not always their doing. They might say to me, you know, my mom planned this trip to Disney. It's my dad's 50th birthday, and I'm kind of stressed out because I'm going to miss four days of work. And of course, you have to be very understanding here because you know what? You also can't fight it in the end. So I try to just tell them, listen, I'm going to post everything for you. I want you to do what you can and contact me by email when you get back and let me know what you did and I'll help you get organized. Um, but like I said, it's just a lot of these kids who are just going away and then they come back and they're like, you know, um, I need to... Now I need to reteach them every single lesson and it gets to be a lot. So you have to balance it out depending on your district and your clientele, okay? And whatever your policy is, you just have to make it known to your kids and your parents. Okay, the next thing that you want to do sounds a little bit trite, but I will tell you it will make you bonkers if you don't address it, is decide what you will do when kids forget to bring in their materials. So unless you have some sort of wizarding training, your students are going to forget to bring in materials. I mean, I am always amazed at how kids can come to class without their book when we are in a reading unit or without a pencil. 
So every teacher has to do what works for them, obviously, but I'll share what I do. I tell them, if you forget, it's not my problem to solve it. I don't allow kids to go back to their lockers. And I will admit, I started off very, very soft here and letting kids go back to get their books and their stuff because it felt easier for me at the time. However, I set up a culture of kids coming into my room, dropping their stuff off and telling me they needed to go back to their locker for something. And it really became a problem. So my deal is, if you don't have something like a pencil, grab one from the student shelf and then return it at the end of class. I spoke about the beauty of having a student shelf in my uh, back to school episode two on setting up your room. Having a student shelf is a really, really good idea because it's a place they can go and get something. But I will tell you, and if you've been teaching for more than a minute, you know that pencils disappear and it's just incredible. So if there's no pencils left, you're gonna have to figure out who you can get one from, you know, by asking a classmate. And don't ask me because I am not your personal school supply store. Um, I hate to sound like that, but that is just how it is in the culture where I teach. I just have to let them know that it's not my responsibility. Okay. Um, I do get that everybody that I'm speaking to right now does not work in a district like I do. And it might be more on you to have supplies available for your children. So whatever your system is, you just have to let your kids know. Okay. Um, so if a, a student forgets something like their writer's notebook, I tell them at the beginning of the year, and I will not tell them this every time they forget it. I tell them, if you don't have your writer's notebook or you don't have your reader's notebook and you have to put something in it, like a, a writing entry, go grab a sheet of paper, type it into your Chromebook and print it out and tape it in there tonight. Like it's a you problem at that point. It's not a me problem. And we talk about this when I put that into my slideshow at the beginning of the year. And inevitably, a kid will come to me in, you know, March and say, I don't have my writer's notebook. And I'll just look at them and say, well, you're going to have to tell me how you're going to solve that because we've talked about it before. Okay. Something like if they don't have their book. Well, you know what? If there's an extra copy in the classroom library, go grab it. And if not, you're going to have to do something else and do your reading tonight. But I really want to emphasize here that I do not allow kids to interrupt me to tell me what they forgot. And if they do, I, I am not thrilled with them. And I give them that look and I, and I tell them, why are you telling me this? This is a you problem and you need to figure it out. Again, I really do... <laughs> I, people who are listening don't know me. I am a very loving teacher and I love my kids, but I cannot have 12 year olds running the show with all of the things that they forget that are really, really not hard. It's a very minimal thing that they need to bring to class. They need to have something to write with and they need to have either their book, if it's a reading unit or their writing notebook, if it's a writing unit, it's really not all that complicated. So again, whatever your procedure is, tell your kids, write it in the slideshow and make sure that they are aware of it and that parents are aware of it as well.
Okay, and the last I've, I've kind of spoken about, but it's really decide how you're going to teach these expectations to your students. And I really want to emphasize the word teach here. Um, if we want kids to know something, we have to teach it to them. You know, we don't expect kids to know something like what is a conjunction without teaching it to them explicitly. And the same really goes true for classroom expectations. You can't really just post it and expect that they're going to read it and absorb it all. So during our second class meeting day at the beginning of the year, this is when I would do that. I, by the way, use the first day for something fun and engaging, um, along with my Meet the Teacher activity, which I spoke about in another podcast. And P.S., I have lots of fun stuff on TPT for day one, and I'll link that in the show notes as well. And I even made a freebie for day one. It's a back-to-school flipbook. It's, it's really cute, and I'll be sure to link that as well. But in any event, for me, like I said, I create that slideshow of expectations. And I link it on my Google Classroom, and it stays there for the year. And on back-to-school night, I print copies of it for parents. Okay, So on the second day that I'm meeting with them, I will go over that slideshow with them. I will teach it to them. I will read it to them. I will ask them if they have any questions. We'll discuss it. And, you know, a discussion point might be something like, how are you going to remember what to bring to my class so you don't fall into this category of somebody who doesn't have what they need? And then we'll, you know, we'll discuss it and a student will write, well, I'm going to put a post-it in my locker and write down what I need for language arts. Great, perfect, you know, that kind of a discussion. And then I actually create a homework assignment for the slideshow on that second day. I mean, it's nothing major. I might ask a couple of questions about it. I might ask at the end, do you have any questions for me? And then there will be a part for the parent to sign that they have read it. Now, if they've read it or not, I don't know. I don't care. But now I have your signature that says that you did. So there should be no, you know, back and forth on what my policy is. And I, I really especially need to do that for my late policy and my absentee policy. That's for me. But I do want parents to sign that they have read it. Okay. Um, and again, printing it out at back to school night, I don't, you know, laboriously go over every single thing with them, but I just tell them, this is what your students have uh, on their Google Classroom. You've read it. You know, I have most of your signatures that you've read it. And this is, these are my expectations. So you do want to keep it fairly simple and not too, um, not too heavy on the, the, you know, the language here of making it super strict, but more as, you know, creating a conducive environment because the outcome is the benefit of the child, not just that it drives you crazy. And listen, it does, it does drive you crazy. It drives me crazy to go over this stuff all the time, but it really is ultimately for the benefit of the child to succeed in your class and to feel good about themselves. Okay, so that's about it. So we talked about, you know, these expectations and the non-negotiable rules, late assignments, absent policies, and materials, and teaching the expectations to your students.
I would love to know how you set up your expectations or if you have anything to add or any questions. And like I said, you can email me and I have all of the links to my email uh, in the show notes. And I'm truly wishing you all the best with the beginning of your school year. I hope this information was helpful. Be sure to check the links that I mentioned in the show notes. My email is available there as well in case you have questions or comments. You can also DM me on Instagram at school. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.